Hello, and welcome to another edition of Lit These Days. I'm Jessica. I'm Adam. And we're your hosts, and we're very professional podcasting people, um, and you can tell by the fact that I've been recording with my podcast mic backwards <laughs> for this entire time, and Adam just pointed it out to me. They didn't teach us this in podcasting school. No. Hello, hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Hello? College is a scam. What can we say? <laughs> <laughs> um. But hello, and and thank you so much for being here today. And so this is a podcast about books. We talk about the books that we're currently reading, the books that we've finished reading, not necessarily in that order. And then we also give book recommendations. So that's very exciting. Do we have any life updates to give? I don't have anything. Do you have any life updates, Adam? Uh oh! I took so I took my new car for a test drive since I got a Jeep, and I was like, I'm gonna drive up to the top of a mountain, drive across the ridge line. There was a road on the ridge line. I wasn't just driving up a mountainside. <laughs> and this particular mountain, I knew you could drive to the end, and then there was like an electrical, like a power grid thoroughway. You could look down. You could see a big view of West Virginia. So I took the kids there and somebody was parked there like trespassing, which no, no hate because I have trespassed on that property as well to see the view. But that was the turnaround point. (laughs) So I had to like back up between these big, big rocks and then turn. And I, I cut. This was the second day I owned the car. I like cut the corner too short. And there was a rock that was maybe two and a half to three feet high. And I've never driven a Jeep before. Um, but I didn't have time to stop once I realized it was hitting the rock because it just bloop, went right over the rock. Oh my <laughs> and I was like, holy cow. So I, I like panicked and then checked and then realized that I have huge like, you know, shock support in there, the big, the big springs. And now I'm just like, oh my God, I have to get onto more mountains and dirt roads and use the four by four. <laughs> so this ATV. could be a problem. Go ATV yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm already at Friday off. So I told my wife, I was like, we're going hiking Friday. Like way out in the middle of nowhere. And then we'll go camping on Saturday. And she's like, okay, we can go hiking on Friday, but we'll save camping. <laughs> That's so exciting. Wait, so yeah, isn't Labor Day this Monday? Right? It's Monday and we have Friday off, which I've never, ever had Friday off. For do you get Labor Monday Day. off too or do you just get Friday off? Not Friday and Monday. Oh, we usually I'm just so get Monday. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. It's a well-deserved break already, though, because last week felt like uh, Monday was 2019 and and, uh, Friday was 2021. I I can't imagine. Oh, my gosh. It's a lot. A lot going on. Yeah. Well, we'll have a little bit of an escape from it, escape from the world today during the podcast. I'm in a, like, I'm in a happy-go-lucky mood today. I'm like, "Mm -mm mm-mm-mm, like, bouncing off the walls. I just got home, like, I don't know. 45 minutes ago, an hour ago, and I was like bothering my boyfriend. I was like, mm, 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 mm. I'm like, I'm ready to go. And he's like, why do you have so much energy? Just like chill out. I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm no, I'm like, I'm like on meth now or something. I don't know. I'm not actually on meth. <laughs> I got the I, opposite. I got a, I got a, uh, I swear this is not a commercial, but I have a cobbler mountain cider harvest pumpkin. My first, uh, first pumpkin drink of the season. Ooh, how is it? Beautiful. Where is this from? Somewhere in Virginia. Delaplaine, Virginia. Ooh. Which is like an hour from here. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. Nice, nice. It's very sweet. It's very, very sweet, but there's not a ton of sugar in it, so I'm not sure. I guess it's just naturally sweet. Hmm. Just like me. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay, let's talk about books. Let's talk about yeah. the books that we finished. So, I finished Black Sun by Rebecca Rowanhorse. You know, I okay. This book has a lot of awards, like a lot of awards. Everyone was so excited for it on like Instagram and BookTube and all this stuff. But like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. You know, because th- nothing happened. Like, really, nothing <laughs> happened. Because I mentioned last week on the podcast that I was like three hundred pages into it, and there was no climax. And then I got to like. 75 pages left of the book and then something like finally happened but it was very like quick it was very it was like five pages of action and then that was it (laughs) Ow! and i was like i don't like the world building is awesome in it i should probably explain what the book is about if you weren't here last week but it's basically an epic fantasy that takes place in pre-columbian america times so you get 
like a lot of description about like the clothes that they would wear and like all the embroidery and like the world is very well thought out. I like it. I would never be able to come up with something like that. And you follow three different characters named Ziala, Narampa, and Serapio. And they, Serapio thinks that he is a crow god that is sent to kill Naranpa, who is the sun priest who lives at like the other end of this continent. And I don't really think that he's actually a crow god. I think he's just like someone who can fight, you know. And I also don't understand why they're mortal enemies. I don't know. A lot of it didn't make sense to me. And I... Like, it's a right. It's a right. Like, the world building's... It, it's good. So I give it, like, a three out of five stars for the world building. But, like, the plot... Eh, there are other books that you could read that are better. Which I feel so bad we've saying talked, that. We've talked before, though, too. You You are way more of a plot person than a characterization person. Yeah. This is very true. Because I guess... Yeah. Yeah, well, characterization is part of world building, but um, so so I guess that's the question. Then would you would you recommend this to someone who likes a is a little more slanted towards towards world building and characterization? Okay, let me ask you a follow up question. Sure. What interests you about character driven books? Because I think they're boring as heck, but you like them. I do. I do. Uh, and what appeals to me the most about character-driven books is, is like that's that's specifically what I look for when I read. I, I want the psyche of a character. And I also, I just generally like the minutia of everyday life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I, I am perfectly content to just be outside for hours just looking around. Um, so I think that, I think it just suits my personality more. That's not to say that I don't love a plot-driven book. I'm, I'm currently reading a, a, a very well- plot driven book um but i never mind that i love description i really love description if if writers can nail it i've also just read a lot of henry miller and it's just that's just all about like here's what's going on in my head and here's here's a lot of description about things but it's all it's always so pitch perfectly beautiful now if the descriptions of this are not up to my my personal par then then i might not lean towards it also it's fantasy which i like fantasy but i'm not sure that i would like to to just read mainly world building. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I think it is, honestly. I don't I don't see a ton of of character development in here, it, and maybe it ha- will happen in the future because it is like a series, but here's the thing. There are three characters who are like the main characters and it like switches between their point of views, but it's like what what is it called when like it's from their point of view but you're not in their head? like third person omniscient or something like that uh it's uh, third person limited yeah omniscient would be you get everybody so very it's, removed yep it's that so you you're not in their head what am i trying to say here i have no idea anyway there's three <laughs> i think you're going characters. with limited like limited is you're with one character at a time whereas like like you're in their headspace, but they're not narrating. Whereas yeah. omniscient would be, you are getting the full perspective of everybody in the room, kind of simultaneously. You're not just seeing them from one character's perspective. Yeah, and here's here's the issue with that. I think that it could be a character driven novel if there weren't sixteen thousand different characters. To <laughs> yeah. that, because there are the three main ones, and then there's like a fourth one that's kind of thrown in at the end, and. I don't know. You just have like random things that are happening and you're trying to like piece together like the timeline of like how they all mix together because the times like goes five years ago, 12 days ago, nine days ago, like switches back like that. Um, It's just it's very disjointed and um, you don't get a ton of character development because you're just the whole time you're just like what is this who is this guy again i don't know what are they doing no so do you, do you get cuz the the guy thinks he's the crow god right yeah is that a psychological thing maybe is there an angle there of like he's dealing with something by thinking he's the crow god cuz that would be a cool angle well what happened was his mother is from the city 
called Tova, which is in the south. And in the city of Tova, there are sky-made clans. So there's a crow clan, there's like a water beetle clan, an eagle clan, and then one other clan that I can't remember. And then you have like the priests, or like the sun priests, who are kind of like the fortune tellers of the thing. But like each each um um like house is kind of their own the community. So what I'm trying to say is that she comes from that city and in that city, 300 years ago, there was something called the Night of Knives, where, like, the three Sky Maid clans killed a bunch of the Crow clan. Then there was, like, some treaty or something. And so then she, long after this happened, she went to the north. For some reason, I have no idea. She married this guy. They had a kid. And then she chose to, like, follow the traditions of the Crow people. And their tradition is that they, like, carve wings into the the boys' backs when they're, like, 13 years old. And they also, they also carve a crow into, like, their decolletage area. I don't know how else to explain that. But, and then she, like, thought for some reason that he was going to be a god and have vengeance on the other clans for the Night of Knives. She has no bearing for this to actually be true. I think she's probably just crazy. But then she, like, does all of the carvings and stuff. And then she, like, sews sews his eyes shut. So he's, like, blind. And then she has – or she dies by suicide. That's kind of a trigger warning. But, like, it's it's very quick. Like, there's not much attention Mm -hmm. paid to that. Um, And then she has, like, people come train him. Like, how to fight and stuff. And then he goes on the, the journey to the south to kill the sun priest. For what reason, I don't really know. Like, I guess it's kind of the 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 night of knives. But, like, she doesn't have anything to do with that, really. So, I don't know. I was, like, kind of confused about it. That sounds mad disjointed. <laughs> yeah. sounds very disjointed. Yeah. It sounds almost like... So, like, with Lord of the Rings, you get all of that lore right you get all that background in different books like it's not mm-hmm. it's usually not mapped out like in fellowship of the ring um despite the length of that book you get characterization you get some world building but you get a linear like point a to point or just walk into a volcano um, yeah but what then you have all of the books that carve out the background of the world. So if you really wanted to go that far, you could, but it's not it's not necessary. It sounds like maybe the author's trying to have 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 his or her cake and, and eat it too, if you will. Yeah. Like if it was like a prequel, maybe because maybe I could understand it. But I think isn't the word for it like exposition where you're kind of like mm-hmm. explaining what's happening. I feel like the book is just all exposition. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Well, again, trilogy, series. Either a trilogy or like a quartet. I'm not sure. The other books are not out yet. I can let me look her up because I'm sure that it'll continue because it had a lot of a lot of awards. Like it won the Nebula Award, I believe, which is like a huge. Yeah, that's uh, a big deal. Yeah. So I was like, I don't really I don't really get this. (laughs) I guess. Black Sun. Do you think you would read a sequel maybe in in like curiosity of was that just the exposition for the full story? You know, I didn't like it at all, really. I I wanted to like it because I've never seen uh, an epic fantasy set in that time period. So I really wanted to like it. But I was like, "Mm, there are other things that I can read. (laughs) It's such a time commitment to read a fantasy novel. Yeah, I don't see any other books planned for right now, but on Goodreads, it has a 4.24 rating, rating, I mean, so like, maybe go check it out. Maybe I'm just dumb and I don't, I don't understand. Nah, we all have those <laughs> books that everybody loves and we, we dislike. Great Gatsby. Yeah, and from, <laughs> from Blood and Ash, the one that I read a long time yeah. ago that everyone was obsessed with and I was like, I don't get this. This is, I don't know. <laughs> But anyway, that's enough about that book. What did you finish reading? I finished a book which you have read. 
the Ooh. Deep Ooh. by River Solomon, which took me a tremendously long time. There's been a lot going on, though, but it's a very short novel. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't have taken me as long as it did. It took several weeks. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. Oh. And I know we talked about this before. You were like, "You're, I don't like this. You're going to like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. What yeah. did you like about it? So just to, just to kind of give the background, and I think this is important. Like, I don't – if I had not known – what this was about because it's basically one long extended metaphor i don't think i would have liked it like i think i would have got to the point where i figured it out and then would have felt like ah i wish i had known that while i was because there are great beautiful lines throughout the book to describe what's going on i don't think they have the emotional heft when you don't realize what's going on which is this it's set up as like a mermaid story right which is really cool but what is what is actually happening is the the Wajinru, who are, the, who are these these fish type creatures, are the descendants of uh, African pregnant African slaves who were thrown off of slave ships because they were pregnant and they were you know hold, holding everything back. Um, so they were born within the water, and then they kind of grouped together and formed their own uh, formed their own colony settled their own colony underneath the water what's real what i thought was really cool about this was the core of the book in that there is there's one person who's essentially the historian right so the historian knows why they are there knows where they came from but the west of the the rest of the wajinru do not and the idea is if they knew the trauma that they endured that their ancestors endured to get there uh, it would just kill them like they would not be able to survive that that knowledge so the historian takes all of it on herself and suffers like there's tremendous psychological damage going on to the historian here and it's all about like how it, it it's great metaphor of like what what happens when you forget your history which is very relevant to today you know what do you what do you balance and that's a lot of like these you know these intense debates that are going on in school districts right now is like no you don't want to present history as like everything is awful but you don't want to sugarcoat too much uh because what what happens when you know a kid grows up and is completely unaware of traumatic things that have happened in the past like that that seems like it's going to be more of a more of a ticking time bomb uh than than not having that understanding and also that kind of maps out well this is why there are structures uh that are structured the way they are right <laughs> like you, you have a lot of systemic problems for a reason if you don't know the background it, it can kind of seem like well it's just the world the world's just nihilistic you know what i mean but there's there's a reason for it so i think i think knowing the background of the story really sold me on it because i was constant i highlighted i i know you mentioned that there was one line that you really liked i was highlighting things from the very beginning but because of that like keeping that in in context well here's a here's a question kind of piggybacking off of what you said because you said that you think and i believe this too that you think that we should all remember our history and obviously so we don't repeat it but the whole point of the story is that there's one person who is remembering all this trauma and i don't know if i agreed with that that philosophy of that one person should take on all the trauma and have all the psychological damage while the other the rest of um the community kind of uh, just lives carefree, whatever. I, yeah. I, I think that what I wanted it to be was that, like, in the end, they kind of all like share it because I think that I, that that's so much more helpful if someone's going through something, like, to have them talk to other people who also know what they're going through. So, like, you have a community of people to support you, but. This is the book was kind of like the opposite of that. See, and I'm I, I didn't read it that way, but I th- I think I know why. Um, the book does get a little convoluted towards the end, and, and I th- I think I think River Solomon was going for exactly what you just described, and I think the characters were going in that direction, 
but the book stops, right? <laughs> so we don't we don't exactly know if that is the case. And and there's 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 a love story that pops up uh, between the historian and and between one of the ancestors that is that is on the land. And all of that was interesting, but it felt like that muddied the pardon the pun muddied the water a little bit. Um, and I say pardon the pun because like the <laughs> literally the historian is like sitting in mud when she's conversing with with this person. Uh, but that's how I took it. Like I took it that because I remember the characters become not to, not to spoil it, but the characters are are working into a frenzy because they're realizing these things. I think that's the direction in which uh, Rivers was taking this. Also, just based on their their other novels, which I think is the I forget the title of her other book, but I know it's 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 a lot about realizing like systemic problems in a science fiction form. Mm-hmm. And I thought that, and maybe I'm not remembering it correctly, but I thought that at the end of it, uh, the main character was going to go back and like take the memories back and kind of just like live in the trauma because she felt bad for giving them the trauma and like not giving them the the tools to like deal with it but also i think i got a little confused at the end because they there was that weird like they started talking in the was it first person collective like we and i was like who who is this i was just very confused so maybe i just didn't read it right well and i think that's that's where part of it comes from is is the historian always speaks in we right because she's she's holding that collective trauma whereas at the end and that's probably the key here they're all starting to speak that way Mm. so they're all sharing sharing that um and and i don't think you necessarily like the ending is something that um they wanted to be like okay, now we're all sharing collective trauma and everything's awful. But it's through that realization, it's through that community that brings them up. So maybe it's because the ending is is positive. Um, that's what's going on. But that's that's kind of how I how I took it. I did think it was real. I I really liked the angle of having the historian right because that's how things can are traditionally taught is like the historians harbor all of the information and they can choose to disseminate it to you or obfuscate it or just keep it keep it away from people um there are inherent problems with that that this historian has to deal with Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense okay well now i have to reread it and see if i still don't like it i know i i gave it like a one star but you give it like (laughs) five stars I, i may have given it four um, I'm always hesitant to like. I'm always stuck between four and five, but I would be comfortable giving it giving it a five. See, I'm always like five star for you, five star for you. Yeah. I love you. <laughs> Woo! I'm always like, did my life change? <laughs> <laughs> then it's a five. Then it's a five star book. Um, mm. I think it's. I think it's important though. It's an important. I also am a sucker for really extended metaphors <laughs> like, like the longer and more convoluted it gets the more i like that but again that kind of gets into surrealism and, and things that i dig that you don't necessarily dig um it's worth a reread though and i think for me it's worth a reread too because there's got to be a ton of stuff i did not pick up on yes yeah. going back to last week when we talked about how many books that we have that we have not read and it's going to take me five years to get through my books maybe in five years i'll reread the deep but we can have a book club about it (laughs) you know what i did and i won't talk about this book till next week but i went through all of that and i and i and i selected the books that i've had for the longest and i started rereading one that i've already read two times i'm like what are you doing read the books you haven't read (laughs) isn't that always how it always goes actually no that's not how it always goes for me because i hate rereading books yeah but yeah anyway that's a conversation for another time so i highly recommend it and uh yeah it's it's short it's a novella it's worth uh it's definitely worth a another look and a, and a reread down the line if you read it once mm-hmm. well there you have it folks go check out the deep by river solomon um so for what we're currently reading I don't have anything right now, but I do know what I want to read. And see, the problem with it is when I try to explain books that I haven't started reading yet, um, things get messy. Well, actually, just when I explain books, like, in general, things get messy and, like, confusing. And you think I'd be better at that since we've been doing this podcast for a while. But anyway, (laughs) the book 
that I. It's tough when you don't have the, you know, you're not, you haven't stepped foot in the world yet. Yeah. The the book that I uh, want to read is The Midnight Library by Matt Hag. Hag. We're going to go with Hag. H-A-I-G. And I believe that this story is based on. The story that you were talking about a while ago by Jorge Luis Borges, what was it called? Uh, Library Babble. I don't think it's based on it, and I think you'll you'll realize that as you as you read along. But as I've said before, I would be shocked if Matt Haig didn't use that as an influence, at least. Mm-hmm. So I'll just read the description that's up on Goodreads because I have nothing else to say about this book because I haven't started <laughs> it yet. It says. Between life and death, there is a library, and within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived, to see how things would be if you made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? I th- so my, my boss recommended that everybody on staff uh, read this book this year, and, yeah. and I have a copy. So if you start this this week, I will start it in audio form because I have the audiobook waiting for me. Start it right um, now. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I got to finish my other one, but that'll take a day. <laughs> my understanding and why I said why I don't think it's based on Library of Babel is that like essentially this is this is the afterlife for this character, but that, that afterlife, that kind of purgatory state is based upon that person's personal interests. So this is a bookish person, so it manifests as a library. But okay. for me, let's be honest, it would probably manifest as a library. I can f- I can see the petite <laughs> stacks, uh, the Paterno stacks at, at Penn State, but uh, but it could have manifest as art art museum, um, something like that. But that's kind of where that that library comes in there. And why did your boss recommend it? Like why why does your boss like it so much? I think. And I'm going to pick his brain on it again once I once I finish the book. But I think it's that it's that idea of not of taking different opportunities as they as they come along. My school is very big on try try new things, like fail, feel free to fail, because that's you know for teachers a lot of times everything has to be perfect, <laughs> and knowing that it's not going to be and leaning into that um, really allows for that creativity to manifest. So here you have a character who has a lot of regrets, has has her life has ended tragically, but is able to see those different forking paths that she could have taken, the way things could. Okay. 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 I'm getting excited for it. The reason why I'm picking it up now is I think we have a recommendation question that's coming up and they want something similar to this to this story. I've never read it. So we're trying to get it done. <laughs> yeah. It's very popular right now. It's a good time to read it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for me. What are you currently reading? Uh, I'm starting to – I trimmed down everything that I was reading and now it's slowly starting to amass <laughs> like multiple books that I'm reading at the same time. Uh, so last week was the first week uh, of back to school with students. It was an incredibly – incredibly stressful week Mm -hmm. for a multitude of reasons it's better this week but it's still like we have no idea what the hell's going to happen this school year like all of us are are using the uh, saying when we go virtual instead of if we go virtual because it just seems like impossible we have like way too many students so that creates a lot of stress right yeah you have no idea what the hell is going to happen you know and you got people randomly like in in quarantine all the time it's it's a tough year uh so most school years knowing that the the beginning of school is going to be very stressful uh, i throw on one of brad warner's books one of his audiobooks and he is an author that I have read almost all of his books multiple times. I think there's one that I've read like one and a half times. And this is the second time that I'm reading this book. And it's called Letters to a Dead Friend about Zen. All of his books are about Zen. They're also about like monster movies because he went to Japan and he worked for the, the studio that helped to create the special effects for Godzilla. Uh, he was also in a punk rock band. It's one of those books when I found it, I was like, is that, did I write this? Is this, this has literally everything <laughs> that I want out of a book. It's got Zen Buddhism. It's got punk rock. It's got men in, in rubber monster suits fighting each other. Like it's the just, trifecta. It's just, perfect yeah absolutely but he has he has this this superb way of breaking 
the the texts down, the sutras down, um, and and the big texts that that this particular sect of, of Zen is based on is is Dogen's uh, uh, what is it called Shobogenzo, massive, very confusing book of Zen texts. Um, and he had a few of his books. He just took the essays that were in that text. They're like transcriptions of speeches that he gave, and he made them into like he just modernized them with all kinds of goofy jokes, which I thought was really cool. It's kind of based on um, there's another book out there called God is Disappointed in You, where, oh. where somebody <laughs> modernizes it. He retells every book of the Bible um, in a very shortened, <laughs> shortened, succinct, and very funny way. Like the Psalms are like the greatest hits of, of the king. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's really cool. So he has a great way of modernizing things. And this book was his last book that he put out. And it's essentially he has a, a friend who died in his late 30s, early 40s of cancer. Mm. Brad is on the road in Europe um, delivering you know, speeches and leading Zen retreats when he he hears that his friend Marky has passed away. So then the entire book are letters to his friend about things that he wished he could have talked to him about, but he, he never did. You know, this is a friend. He never talked about Zen to him because, you know, he just didn't want to. It's not, Buddhism is not a very preachy <laughs> religion. You're not going to get door to door Buddhists. Um, <laughs> but he has, you know, he's like, this is, this is what I wanted to want to talk to you about. So I will do it now that you have have passed away, especially the topics like the Zen topics of death. Like, of course, you're not going to talk to somebody that's dying. And he talks about this a lot. Like, you know, it, nobody wants when they're dying, the people to come in and say like, hey, here's what's going to happen to you. Here's what might happen to you. Like, they just want people to to hang out with them. Yeah. Um, with the time that they have left. So it's a really cool setup for a book. It's very easy to read. It's very easy to understand. And his audiobooks are great. Because his first couple audiobooks he recorded in his kitchen, so you can hear his refrigerator running. Um, at one point, the cat walks across the keyboard, so he'll be in the middle of a chapter and be like, <laughs> "Kitty, stop!" <laughs> Much like I did the other week. Yeah, the blue. And for this one, this was really cool because he, as he was touring around Europe and, and the United States isn't really tour in the United States, but at his Zen center in, in Los Angeles, he would read a chapter of each book. Mm -hmm. So what you get is a live recording of each chapter. So you can kind of hear a little bit here and there of audience reactions, like his energy is based off of the energy of the audience, which is very unique. I'm not aware of any other audiobook that has done that. Um, me either, but I also don't listen to a ton of audiobooks, so don't ask me. Right. Right. Well, and for somebody that doesn't listen to a lot of audiobooks, like I, I think I think a lot of times we get put off from audiobooks because it's like, you know, your mind starts to drift. But being that it is a live experience, even though it doesn't always seem like it, I think that adds something to it that would make people, you know, kind of stand up and, and pay more attention to it. Mm -hmm. Is this so you kind of made it seem like this is something that you come back to like every once in a while? Do you? Yes. Is it something you come back to like every like beginning of school year or like how often do you reread it? That's how it's been for the past maybe five years. Once he started releasing the audiobooks, uh, I just started purchasing them and listening to them at the beginning of uh, the school year because to me they're – they're very um, – they put things into perspective, you know. They're not They're not affirmations. They're not like, you know, you don't sit in the car and you're like, you're a good person. Go out there. Do good. It's just mm -hmm. kind of very straightforward. Like, here's reality. One of my favorite quotes from him that I come back to a lot, and hopefully I don't screw this quote up, um, is real wisdom is the ability to realize – how much you bullshit yourself every second of every day yeah <laughs> it's stuff like that where i'm like okay like i can face the day with a little bit of that you know in my head mm -hmm. yeah that's really awesome that sounds like something that's um positivity inspiring i guess is what i'm trying to say and that's something that i've been trying to work on is my positivity so maybe i will pick that up yeah, I would check it out because I hate books that are like, be positive, like power positive thinking. Like that is not for me. I want like, no, just like straightforward, like what what's what's going on? Like, how do you deal with life as it is? And these books are very much like, well, just like 
you just kind of accept the way that things are and, and this is a better way to function so if you need that I, th- I think these are i think these are great books for it because they don't get mired in that self-helpy kind of like oh this this seems like a program <laughs> yeah yeah no there's there's a book that i have that i'm I'm hoping to there's actually two books that I'm hoping to read. There's one called Everything is Figure Outable, which is trying to like control your anxiety cuz I like I my anxiety is terrible. Like it, it is so bad. So, uh trying going to read that and then there's also another one called Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess, which is also kind of like anxiety type thing but hmm. i'm kind of worried that it's just going to be like that self yeah. self-help book that like they, they all seem to say the same thing right exactly um and his books kind of do too but he always has interesting angles on it and again it doesn't drip with that like positivity he always has good stories to illustrate what's going on mm. um I would I would maybe not start with this book, um, but if you're interested, his second book is one I've probably read four or five times, uh, and it's called Sit Down and Shut Up. Sounds good. That gives me um, – oh, gosh. What is the title of the book? Uh, is it like everything is effed up or something? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a weird trend. I think it's starting to peter out, but there's a trend in, in like the self-help books where it's like, we're going to put a swear word in the title and be edgy. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy, though, like how trends happen in the publishing? Like, I, I actually just joined a writing group and we had our first meeting last night and we had an author come and, and talk to the group. And one of the people in the groups was asking about publishing trends because this author, he wrote like a superhero book, but it's not like a typical superhero book. And she was like, well, how do you feel? Like, cause superheroes are always like super trendy, I guess. I mean, makes sense. Um, and she was like, how do you feel about those publishing trends? Like, do you feel like the superheroes being super popular helped you or hurt you? And I was just kind of thinking about that, like how trends happen. Like I remember uh, Madeline Miller wrote Circe and the Song of Achilles, which were retellings of Greek myths. And those came out two or three years ago. And now I just see so many Greek myth retellings and it's so crazy how like how that happens. Yeah. And then eventually you oversaturate the market and it's just kind of like, okay, moving on to moving on to something else. Yeah, exactly. Like vampires were a huge thing when Twilight was out. No, it's Greek (laughs) myths. Yeah. Milking that sacred cow. Hey, can we take a pause for a second here? I hear a, um, I want to make sure everything's okay upstairs. Okay. Like a minute. Okay. I hear a screaming child. Uh oh. Back. I should pee while he's up there. Hello. <laughs> um, I was just reading an article about how New York City's water is full of poop while you're gone. Nice. That's good to know. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of funny, too, because I always hear people talking about how New York City water, tap water is like the best water. I'm like, hey, you drink poop water. I got crazy sick. I went there. Um, Shortly, not too long after 9-11, because I remember we went to see like the rubble um, and everyone was like, don't drink the water. And I was like, "Eh, it doesn't matter. You can drink the water. And and then I had to throw up on the tour bus that we were on. Was it because (laughs) of- Little traffic. So it's like start and stop. Oh, gosh. Was it because of of 9-11? Like was the water- No, it's just the, the water was just so like- different (laughs) that it just uh, they kept saying like don't like when you go to new york city if you're not used to the water you're not from the general area um you can get sick from drinking it from not being used to it so and i'm not sure it is it's probably not good (laughs) because there's poop in it that's That's what that's what the internet is telling me (laughs) yeah i was super excited to go to chinatown and all i ended up eating during the trip was like four chicken mcnuggets from chinatown (laughs) (laughs) love that could have gone down the street here you know or pittsburgh yeah yeah that makes (laughs) sense okay well do we have any other books to talk about before we go into our book recommendation question that's what i'm currently reading so no i think we're good to go i'm excited for this question though Okay, so we had a question from Julia, who is my friend that we she's she runs a lit mag called Herstory. Go check it out. It's 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 pretty cool. Um love that name. She she asked, I'm really craving a good family saga story. Maybe along the lines of Ask Again Yes or Saints for All Occasions or The Dearly Beloved. 
And so I picked two books for this recommendation question. I will talk about the first one and then I will let you talk about uh, one and I'll come back to the other one. So uh, the first one that I picked was We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang. Lange? L-A-N-G-E. And this one only came out last month. Uh, so it's very new. It's often compared to Ask Again, Yes. And then this also another book, which I haven't read, called The Nest by Cynthia Deaprick Sweeney. Which, can we just talk about, like, what a name? Like, wow, I wish that yeah. was my name. Um, <laughs> so in this book... The main character, her name is Sunday Brennan, and she wakes up in an L.A. hospital after she caused a drunk driving accident. She's 29 at the time. And after this, she goes home to her family. They live in New York. And uh, she goes back because, well, after she ran away five years ago and really hasn't had any contact with them. Um, and she is trying to rebuild her life on the East Coast, but her brothers and her ex-fiance make that very difficult for her because she disappeared, like, without any explanation. They're very mad at her. And then someone from her past shows up and kind of threatens, like, the financial security of her family's pub that they own. And the only way to save the pub is to let out all of the family secrets. And I won't say more than that, but go check that one out. Ooh, nice. Very nice. I'm, I'm re- I was really dumb with this question because I was like, I have never read a family saga. I guess I could talk about Augustine Burroughs' books where he talks about how awful his family is because there's a bunch of those. And then his family has follow-ups that are like, here's why he's wrong. Oh, my gosh. Like, that doesn't really fit. Um, we'll talk about that at some point. But then I was like, wait a second. I've read two Pulitzer Prize winning <laughs> family saga books. I didn't realize it until I combed back through my uh, my my red list on on Goodreads. Uh, Middlesex by Jeffrey uh, Eugenides, I think is how you pronounce his last name, or, or, or Eugenides. I have no idea. I am not sure. He wrote The Virgin Suicides. Um, oh, which really? Is real, pretty famous. I've not read it, but I have a copy of it. I haven't read um, it either, but I've heard of it. Yeah, he wrote that. He wrote The Marriage Plot was another one of his uh, more recent books. Middlesex is amazing, though. Um, Pulitzer Prize winner. And it and it tells the story of Calliope Stephanides, three generations of Greek-American Stephanides family who travel from a tiny village overlooking Mount Olympus to Prohibition-era Detroit, witnessing the glory days of as the Motor City and the race riots of 1967 before moving out to the suburbs of Michigan. Now, it's been a long time since I've read this. This book came out in 2003. Uh, so I was reading some of the description there. But Calliope is an intersex main character. And because this is presented as a sprawling family epic, you get the genetic history of that family. And okay. over time, you gain an understanding of, oh, this is why she was born intersex she doesn't realize that but you as the reader realize that so she goes through a lot and she and she transitions her identity in the middle of the book and it's it's amazing there's 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 only so much that sticks out to me the race riots really stick out um detroit just as a cityscape really sticks out and her first experience using a men's restroom really sticks out because let me tell you using a man's re- uh, men's public restroom on a regular basis is always a traumatic experience. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone who has transitioned uh, her identity, who, what gender she identifies with, um, that is the description is just like it's 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 disgusting (laughs) like it's truly like repellent like oh this is what a men's restroom is like and as a man i was like yep that's what a men's (laughs) restroom is like and i wish i didn't have to use them (laughs) uh it's it's great it's a superb book i'm unaware of any other books that that have an intersex main character i'm sure they're out there but um at least in terms of popular fiction like this this was a big deal um and i read this when i was younger so like that that understanding of uh intersex and, and she's the main character um i didn't mean to say main character of course she's the main character she's the narrator for a lot of it um so you are you are in her head as she transitions from from callie to cal it's 
it's astounding it's a breathtaking book i would absolutely it's long it's 529 pages i would absolutely read this one again um i just remember being absolutely enthralled by it that sounds like a really good book actually i for some reason when you said middlesex for some reason i thought that came out in like the 1950s i don't know i thought that too before i read it (laughs) that's weird we have to do some digging why do we yeah and i actually read it because somebody recommended it and i was like isn't that i think i was thinking of middle march (laughs) and they're like no this is what it's about i was like oh that sounds really good and it is really good Mm -hmm. there are so many books that I want to read. And then I just think about, I'm never going to be able to read all the books that I want to read. It makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, the next life we can continue. Yes. Um, yes. So the other book that I chose was Of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia. Not Gabriela Garcia Marquez. Gabriela Garcia. They're different people. Yeah. Um, this story is told in alternating points of view, which I love that. I freaking love when people write books in alternating points of view. It's like my favorite thing to read. I know a lot of people hate it. I'm like, give me more of it. I want it. And so it's uh, one of the characters. Her name is Jeanette. She is battling addiction in present-day Miami. And she is the daughter of a woman named Carmen. And Carmen is a Cuban immigrant. And Jeanette is determined to know more about her family history, but her mom, like, won't really tell her more about it. So she travels to Cuba to see her grandmother, and then some secrets from the past threaten to to pop up. It Oh, it's got a note. (laughs) My boyfriend just put a note under the door that says, do you like me? Check box. And it says, <laughs> yes, maybe or no. <laughs> I, I'll put, that's that's what I'll put. I put maybe. Anyway, what was should have put check. He should have made three check boxes that all said yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so there are some secrets that threaten to pop up uh, when she goes to Cuba to see our grandmother. And I really don't want to say more than that because of spoiler reasons but it is a good book good family saga i believe it's also compared to like ask again yes and and things like that so um it also it also is a fairly new release as well my second book is the amazing adventures of cavalier and clay by michael shaban uh or shaban i actually don't know how to pronounce it he's a super popular author but i've never seen like an interview with him i've never heard of this man in my life he wrote uh, Mysteries of Pittsburgh, and Cavalier and Clay is another Pulitzer Prize winner. Mm. Uh, Maybe I should know it then. Enthralling family saga. It is. Uh, it's another book that I just absolutely love. Um, I know some people uh, critique uh, Shaven because, like, <laughs> you do get the sense that he's very snobby just in his writing. Like, he's one of those writers that will use some words where you're like, nobody would ever use that word yeah like john green with his freaking teenagers who talk like they're right. 60 years old right and i listened to some of this in an audiobook um because i couldn't put it down so i just like also got the audiobook so i could just pick it up whenever i put the book down um and my wife was always like i don't understand half of like <laughs> the words this guy uses but it's well worth that the the, the story itself rises above that if, if you don't like that um so I, I'll go with just the description here because I think it does a masterful job. Joe Cavalier, a young Jewish artist has also who has also been trained in the art of Houdini-esque escape, Ooh. has just smuggled himself out of Nazi-invaded Prague and landed Ooh. in New York City. Ooh. His Brooklyn cousin, Sammy Clay, is looking for a partner to create heroes, stories, and art for the latest novelty to hit America, the comic book. Drawing on their own fears and dreams, Cavalier and Clay create the Escapist, the Monitor, and Luna Moth, inspired by the beautiful Rosa Sachs, who will become linked by powerful ties to both men. This book is astounding. It's right up your alley, too, with the comic books. It's right up my alley, and and Cavalier and Clay serve as as, uh, Jerry, uh, uh, Jerry Siegel and Joel Schuster, who were the creators of Superman who have their own tale of not getting their credit or money from Superman until they were 
too old to really benefit from it. Um, but they created Superman, so they created the modern superhero comic book. And that, that's essentially what these guys are doing. They're the stand-ins for him. Um, and, and like them, Jewish, one of them, escaping Nazi-invaded Prague. So you get so much rich history. You get so much of that history that gets poured into the comic book that they are creating. And you also get just so you get family tragedy on the European front. Um, mm -hmm. So you're aware of what's going on over there. You also get descriptions of the comic books. You get whole chapters that are just descriptions of what's happening within the comic book itself. So it fleshes out both worlds, the comic and reality with what's going on. It is a masterful story where if you if you don't like comic books um you would still like you really would like this story if you're looking for a family saga um and if you're kind of indifferent to comic books you really do get a solid fictional uh but fairly accurate history of like how this was founded the type of people that were writing these books and founding this industry that that is completely mainstream at this point and has only been completely mainstream since the past i don't know since like 2006 you know when iron man came out in the movie theaters that seemed where that nerd culture really transitioned to complete mainstream um this book has so much to off offer it's it's great i plead with you read this book <laughs> everyone <laughs> it is so it's a it's a novel there's like no like uh actual like comics in it Correct. Okay. Uh, now, um, he did do some comics afterwards, like where you could read actual, like, oh, it's the, it's the, the, what was the name of the character? The Escapist. It's the Escapist comics. Um, so you could see, like, and again, if you read those, I assume because I haven't read them, it really makes it feel like this is reality. Like this is the tr the world that's going on. They created this character because I have I have a tangible copy of that comic book. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask: is if they had taken the the story and made it into the comics. So that sounds yep. that sounds good. Yeah, I think yeah. Julia has a lot of good stuff to read can't wait to email her and be like get your 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 recommendations are ready go listen to them here's the link you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> okay well that brings us to the end of our episode thank y'all so much for listening and i don't know why i always say y'all because i am from wisconsin but there we go i should be saying um, that thank y'all for <laughs> watching come on back now you hear or thank you <laughs> um good. If you want a a personalized reading recommendation, and we're kind of running out of questions to answer, so we could really <laughs> use your help, uh, please go to our our website and just click on the Get Recommendation uh, button, and you can fill out a thing, and it takes like two seconds, and ask us for a recommendation, and we will answer it for you. You can also check out our Instagram and our Discord in the show notes. Heck yeah. Get creative with it too. Anything you want to ask, ask it. What's the what's the best book to read with a uh, a cobbler mountain cider? Ooh, Pumpkin that can be fun. <laughs> from from Delaplane, Virginia. Not sponsors. They're not sponsors of the show. We wish. It's a freebie. We wish. <laughs> um. Yeah, and we will be back next week with another episode. See you, internet people.